Let's uh, pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together in the name of Jesus. Um, Father, we pray as we come to your word that you would speak through me, that you'd give us ears to hear what you want to say, give us ears to hear what you want to say to us, open our hearts and our minds up for your word, and that you would challenge us and move us, and that we would live lives that honor you, God. Remind me of what I prepared, Father. Help me to speak clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, it's now the 3rd of February, 3rd of February, second month already, and everything started again. Everyone's gone back to work. Church program started. Hype has now changed the name to LifeGate Youth. That went back on Friday night. They had a wonderful night. Kids are back at school. Everything's back running. And it's easy for us to get caught up in the running of things, in the, in the next sporting program, in the next activity, in the next thing at work, the next goal, the next shopping spree, the next food we need to buy, the next meal we need to cook, the next thing we need to clean. And we, get so, we can get so caught up in the what of what we're doing and we can lose sight of why we're doing it. And that's true also in churches. We can get so caught up in what we're doing and we lose the why. And Michael Jr. said it so well in that clip, emphasized it so well, that when we know what we're doing, you can easily just get on and do the things day after day, easy as it comes, like just getting the run-of-the-mill stuff. But when you know the why you're doing it, it motivates you to do the what at a whole nother level. It's true in churches that it's so easy for us to get caught up in our what. Our what's are, what programs are we running? What's being taught? What songs are we singing? What are we communicating? What do we want people to change? What do we want them to do with their lives? And it's easy for us to get so focused on the what that we lose sight of the why we're doing it. And on Vision Sunday, it's a wonderful day to remind ourselves of why. Why do we exist? Why do we do the what? Why do we do what we do? So here's the question for us this morning. Why does LifeGate Church exist? Have you ever ever thought about that question? You're here today, maybe someone invited you, or maybe you're here for the first time and you're a guest. We want to welcome you. We hope today is just a wonderful day for you. You really enjoy it. Love you to come back, of course. But if you've been part of the church for some time, this is your church. Have you ever thought about why do we exist? I hope you have. Because when you know the why, it motivates us to do the what. So here's a summary of why we exist. To see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for our lives. It's our vision statement. It's also the mission. This is why we exist. Now, I want us to... I want to explain why that's our why, but let's go back to the beginning, and I want to tell you how we got there, like even before we got there. I want to take you back to creation. Why do we exist? Well, the Bible says that, that God chose to create a gift for his son, Jesus. Colossians 1 says, all things were created by him, and Nikki, what is it? For him. All things were created for him. So God had this desire to create a gift, this universe, for his son, to be for his son to be honored and glorified. So God makes, and it is an incredible place, but as we know, if you know the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 3 says that people rebelled against God. They ignored him, they treated him poorly, and the relationship with God was broken. People didn't worship Jesus They didn't know Jesus. He was like, Jesus was there, but they didn't have the fullness of understanding that until we we see his birth in um, 00 AD. But they didn't worship God as they should. 
People were out of relationship with God, and because of that, we deserve death. But God loved us so much. It's a beautiful message of the gospel. But God loved you so much, Kev, and you so much, Jordan, and you so much, Dave, that he sent his son, Jesus, to rescue you. You're far from God. You deserve death. But God sent his son, Jesus, to rescue you from death, to bring you in relationship with God and have a relationship that lasts for eternity. But that's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. You are in right relationship with God. You are saved from death. You're on your way to eternity. You now have a why for living. And that why is to live a life that worships the Son. The intention of why God created was for us to worship the Son. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you've put your trust in Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you for your sin, you have the Holy Spirit in you, your God is calling you to live a life that worships his Son. Now, when you get a bunch of Christians together, a bunch of people who want to worship Jesus together in a gathering, what do we call it? The church, exactly. Now, the first time we hear the word church is a very unusual time and place. Jesus uses the word church, and he uses the, the Greek word for church is the word ecclesia. And it's used in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 18 at the time when Jesus was with his disciples, and he says to his disciples, who do people say I am? Some say you are, you are Elijah, John the Baptist. But who do you say, Jesus says to his disciples? And Peter pops up and says, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you didn't create that yourself. That was given to you by God the Father. And on that rock, meaning that statement, Peter, I'm going to build my church. This is what it says in verse 16. And I tell you that you are Peter, meaning little rock. And on this rock, this big rock, the declaration that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades, hell will not, will not overcome it. Now that word church was not a normal word for Jesus to use. That, that the, the word church wasn't a Hebrew word. It wasn't an Old Testament word. They used other, other words for gatherings of people to worship God. This was a Greek word, and it was used in Greek context because it had a special meaning. And the reason Jesus used it is because it had a special meaning that we all need to get. The word church means gathering for mission. People gathering together, not for a social club, not for to make each other feel better, but gathering together because they had a common purpose that they wanted to fulfill. And so Jesus uses this word ecclesia because he doesn't want us as believers just to have a social club, but rather to fulfill the mission that he has for our lives. Very important. And so we gather together as individual worshippers who are corporately together as a church who are called to mission. And then each church as the body of Christ, some of them are very, very common, some of the missions that God is calling us to, but other people have specific callings within the body of Christ. And back in 2008, when I first started leading LifeGate Church, I was like, God, what's our mission? What is our vision? Why do you, why do you want us to exist? And I believe the Lord took me to this verse from Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19 where Jesus quotes some, some, no, Isaiah 61. It's his term to read. It's in Luke 4. It's his term to read in the synagogue. And he reads this passage, this passage that that was a Messianic text, text, meaning it was a passage that pointed to the Messiah. Messiah meaning, meaning chosen one, anointed one. They knew 
that that passage was pointing to the Messiah. And Jesus declares it. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And, he, and then he says, that scripture is now fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. In other words, say, this is about me. I'm the one. And the, and, and the people that heard it were so impressed, they tried to kill him. <laughs> That's how impressed they were because they thought it was blasphemy. How could this guy, the carpenter's son, how could he be the one? But as we look at this text, we see very clearly Jesus' mission. And in it we see that his purpose, his purpose for coming was to set people free and proclaim the message of the kingdom. That's why he came. He set people free, proclaim the message of the kingdom. So in this, verse, in this text, we see that Jesus came to set people free. And in this text, we see Jesus' purpose. And from that, we came up with this phrase. Why do we exist? To see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their life. To live in freedom means to live free from sin, free from sickness, free from oppression, free from addiction, free from fear. Free from the things that hold us down. To fulfill your purpose means to fulfill the calling God has for your life. If you're a dad, be an incredible dad. If you're a husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you're an employee, serve your employer. It's loving people. It's serving people. It's sharing the message of Jesus with people. For those at Encerrado, that's very important. Serve your employer. Yeah, the CEO sitting next to the um, employees today. Welcome, you guys. Great to have you here. All the way from the US. Is that right? In South Africa. Welcome. Great to have you here. I hope you can understand the Aussie. You need a translator. Sam can translate. I'm, I'm, I'm all right, mate. All right. That's the why. That's the why. And then from the why, we move to the how. Meaning, how do we fulfill the why? How do we fulfill our, our calling is to see people live in the freedom and purpose of Jesus of us. How do we do that? Or in other words, how do we help people live in freedom? And how do we help people live it through? How do, how do we help people fulfill their purpose? And here's a list of things. I just got on quickly here. We educate people about Jesus' desire for their lives. We create opportunities for people to experience God. We call our night service Encounter, and we're going to have a bigger focus this year on people encountering God's presence. Because when people encounter freedom, was that Jackson or Cooper last weekend? It was a Cooper. When people encounter Jesus, there is freedom and purpose for life. Third thing, we encourage people to get real about where they're at and encourage people to take action, our values. We create opportunities for people to be held accountable. And I met with Rick a week ago, and one of his passions is around accountability. We, we point people to Jesus. We develop leaders who will influence people. We think about people's next step. We think generationally that it's not just about us, but it's about our children and their children. And we think multi-campus. And we've launched a vision over the next 20, 19 years to go of seven campuses across the Georges River. This is the how. This is how we fulfill the why. These are the, these are the how pieces. And then from the how, we go to the, well, what do we do? Based on the why, then we go to the how, then what do we do? And we do lots of stuff as a church. We do a community dinner. We do youth programs on Friday nights. We have our kids in kids programs. We do scripture teaching. We have Christy and a team that go into Pitney Point High School and run scripture seminars and lunch groups. We do holiday kids programs. And the list goes on about the things that we do. And the reason we do it is to fulfill the why. All that we do is about helping people live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for their life. 
our what this year, where are we going with this? Courageous. Our what this year is courageous. It's a what because when people are courageous, they get free. Freedom, they get free from the control of fear and they feel, then they fulfill their purpose as they step out courageously and do the things and be the people that God wants them to be. Is that clear? When we are courageous, we get free from the control of fear and we step into the purpose that God has for our lives as we step out courageously. Looking back to 1987, that, that our first piano exam, I had the sweaty palms, the increased heart rate. What else did I write down here? I had butterflies in the tummy. And I think I noticed Dave Toland when he was sitting up here, he had the, uh, the uh, handshakes. And when you have sweaty palms and handshakes and trying to do a piano exam, it makes it very interesting, particularly the sweaty palms. Can you slip over the keys? It's awful. Anyone relate to what I'm talking about? Yeah. I went into that exam and let me tell you, I did it and I got an A. Wow, amazing, yeah? And passed it. I was courageous. Now, looking back as a 10-year-old kid, I don't know, I don't know why I was afraid. And looking back, I, I can only guess. But here are some thoughts I had. Maybe I was afraid of the unknown. My first piano exam, didn't know what I was going to get myself into. Maybe I was afraid of the unknown. Maybe I was afraid of failure. My first exam, I didn't want to fail it. I wanted to do well. Maybe that was a fear that drove me. Even though I was prepared for the exam, even though I practiced all year, and I knew the pieces, and I knew the scales, and I knew the general knowledge, it was a new thing. It was a challenging thing. It was a difficult thing. And as a result, I was nervous. And you know what? And when we think about the fears in our lives, there are usually reasons for the fear. A fear of, a fear of um, what have I written down? A fear of rejection might rise up within you. A fear of rejection might rise up within you when, you when you're about to share your faith in Jesus with someone who does not yet believe in Jesus. A fear of rejection because if I tell them, they might reject me. Or a fear of rejection might rise up with you if your friends at school say, hey, let's go behind the torts and have a cigar. And you go, well, I don't want to do that, but my friends want me to do that, and if I say no to them, then they might reject me, so maybe I should go with them. Fear of rejection might rise up within you. Here's another one, a fear of pain. Don't do that. If that wasn't clear, don't smoke behind the talks. Very bad. Or in front, or anywhere, from smoking. Don't. Um, fear of the, what have I written down? Here we go. Fear of pain might rise up within you. Yeah? If you're sitting on a stool, and you're about to stick your hand in that thing, and it could bite you, or, pr- or spike you, or... Um, this could hurt, fear of pain rise up within you, or climbing up a ladder, Larissa, and you're concerned about falling down and the pain that might cause, or if you're on a bridge and you're with a bunch of mates and you're, who's going to jump first? The fear of pain might rise up within you and then you all jump anyway because it's fun. Amen, men? Men? Amen. Amen. A fear of failure might kick in. A fear of failure might rise up within you when you're about to try something new. And maybe in the past you've tried something new and it didn't go good. It was a fail. And so when a new opportunity comes up, you go, uh-oh. I don't want to do that because if I do it, I might fail again. A fear of failure might rise up within you. And then you might have a fear of hurt rise up within you because you've had a relationship that's busted up. And you, and you have a 
an opportunity to have another relationship with someone. I'm not just talking about husbands and wives. It could be friendships. It could be, it could be lots, of, lots of different relationships. And you have an opportunity to go deep with someone. But that fear of hurt in the past might rise up within you. And friends, when that fear rises up within you, you have a choice. So either go with the fear and allow that fear, you to, allow that fear to control you and hold you back. Or you can say no to the fear and choose to say yes and I will to be courageous. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Friends, Jesus does not want us to be hurled down by fear. He wants us to step in to the calling that Jesus has for our lives. He wants us to step out even when we're afraid. He wants us to trust God when we're afraid. He wants us to love people even when the fear rises up within us. He wants us to serve others even when the fear rises up within us. He wants us to share the message of Jesus with others even when the fear of rejection rises up within us. He wants us to try new things even when the fear rises up within us. He wants us to be courageous and say no to fear. Now, before you're thinking, Nathan's just talking about the religious things. Nathan's just talking about being courageous in sharing your faith or talking to a new person or giving financially. I am talking about that, but I'm talking much, much more about that. For your Christian life, if you're a Christian here this morning, your Christian life isn't just one small part of your life. Your Christian life takes all of your life. Some, some, I thought I talked to, I talked to uh, Cameron Murphy, the local Labor candidate for, for the next election. He lives in Padstow. I had a half an hour chat with him during the week. And, and he said, can I come and speak at your church? And I went, hmm, not sure about that. Let me get back to you. Let's have a coffee and we'll talk about it. And, and, I, and, and I said to him, some churches don't talk about politics because they try and keep church and politics separate. Now, I don't know what, what are your view is on it, and you can have your view. This is, I'm just going to tell you what I think. Take it or leave it. I think our Christian life incorporates every single area of our life. So talking about politics in church should be okay if Jesus is to be Lord of all of our lives. Where am I going with that? Let's go back to the fear thing. When I talk about not being fearful and choosing to be courageous, I'm not just talking about the Christian stuff about sharing your faith or giving or talking to a new person. I'm talking about stepping out from your fear in every single area of your life where fear's holding you down. Because Jesus is Lord of all your life, not just some, all of it. So if you're scared of heights, don't let that hold you back. If you're scared of the dark, don't let that hold you back. If you're scared of lizards, be friendly to lizards. If you're scared of blood tests, well done, Jess White. Have your blood tests. Mark Boomer also is scared of blood tests. See how on this week too. Mark Boomer, if you know Mark, celebrate that. Whatever it is, doing an examination, having a hard conversation, talking to your wife when she's cranky. Do it. Do it. Public speaking. Do it. Do it. The reason we do not need to fear, friends, is for the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. Let's, get to the, let's come to a close. This year, we're going to talk about being courageous in lots of areas of, of our lives as a church, 
We're going to talk about being courageous. We transform Cambodia. We're going to send teams over. We need to sponsor another 30 kids. We're going to set up, this is a new thing. It's something that, that needs to happen across our whole church. We want to be courageous around setting up an invite culture, creating a culture where we are deliberate to invite people to our stuff, our men's events, our women's events. I invited an unbeliever to our camp last night, and he said yes. Praise God. Yeah? Praise God. Um, Invite people to Alpha. We want to be a church that I want us to be. I want us to be a church that has a culture of invite. We want to set that up. We have. We are, want to be courageous. Is Kath in the room? I think she's out with the kids. We want to be courageous around SRE teaching. We want to have 10 trained. I think Kath has got nine names already signed up. We're going to train the next month or something. And we're going to send out SRE teachers into schools. We're going to do stuff like that as a church, but we also want to speak individually to you. Why do we exist? To see people, see you live in freedom and fulfill your purpose. And this is, let's get really practical. Let's get Let's get, the, let's get real. Rubber hits the road. Let's get really serious. Where are the areas of your life? And when I say your, insert your name. I'm speaking specifically to you, Matt Thompson. Where it, um, um, Bruce Green, Will New, Jen New, insert your name. Where are the areas of your life where you need to be courageous? What I would like you to do right now is get that little card. Shelly, thank you. Thanks, Ed. Our little courageous cards. We printed 500 of these. Reese has got some. If you haven't got one, raise your hand. Larissa will find you. If you haven't got a pen, you're going to need a pen too. Bite your finger, use the blood, whatever you need, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and what I would like you to do is write down one area, not 10, one. And we put on the back deliberately, I will. Fear says, I can't. Courageous says, I can. Not only I can, because I know I can do it, but I haven't yet. I will do. That's courageous. I want you to write down one area of your life where you're going to be courageous this year. Go for it. One area of your life where you're going to be courageous this year. And we want you to hold on to it. We want you to put it in your wallet. We want you to bring it to your life group. And if, it depends how confidential it is, of course. But if it's not confidential, um, we'd love you to share it with the people around you, not in this room, but in your life group. And say, I want to be courageous in this area. Life group, can you hold me accountable? If it's much more confidential and it's a private thing, talk to your mentor. Talk to a pastor, someone who's a close friend. And say, I need to be courageous in this area. Can you please hold me accountable to it? And once... You've been courageous in this area. You know what we'd like you to do? Come on, team. We're going to have a little pin board in the foyer. Pin board. We want you to bring your card back once you have completed that courageous activity. And we want you to pin it to that pin board. You don't need your name on it. No one's going to know who it is. Just write the thing. Because we want to see people actually living out the why. We want to see you getting free. We want to see you fulfilling your purpose. And by you sticking that on the pin board, you said, I have pushed through fear. I've been free from fear and I fulfilled God's purpose for my life in that area. And my hope is that we have a pin board full of cards where people have overcome areas of fear in their lives. And once you've done that one, get another card. We did 500 of them. We can print more. 50 bucks for a pack. It's cheap. Get another card. 
Fill it in. Take it to your life group. Guys, I need to be accountable in this area. Will you ask me about it? Mentor, pastor, friend, I need to be held accountable in this area, courageous. Do it. Get them to pray for you. Encourage them. Cheer you on. Clap their hands, whatever it is. Once it's complete, bring that card back. Stick it to the pinboard. And then get another card. Pray. Say, God, where do you need to be courageous in my life? What is it? Where is it? Write it down. Stick it in your wallet. Pray about it. Get held accountable in your life group. Your mentor, a pastor, a friend. Once it's completed, bring it. Stick it to the pinboard. Over and over and over again. People getting free in areas of their lives and fulfilling your purpose. And friend, let me say, you can do this. You can do this. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.